Welcome to Cycle Breakers and Moneymakers, a podcast for women of color and first gen who are breaking generational cycles and glass ceilings by going places no one before them has ever gone. I'm your host, leadership coach and eldest daughter of immigrants, Mariella Delamora. I left a 16 year marketing career to create a multiple six figure a year coaching business as a single mom. Each week, you'll learn how to build unshakable self trust, become in demand lead with confidence, and make more money by being more of who you are. Hello, everyone. Today's episode is going to be a little different because it is unscripted. I'm just going to come on here and just talk to you all the way that I normally do doing what I do best and telling you a story that I really wanted to share that's on my heart to explain why this Mexico City retreat for this next round of reclamation is so near and dear to my heart and like why it's so meaningful. And I shared a little bit about it when I announced it last week as of today's recording. I announced it last week and I was very emotional on the day of. I'm someone who like doesn't shy away from being emotional, but I literally couldn't like stop crying that day and it it just meant a lot. And everyone that I have told the story to is like, oh my gosh, like you need to talk about this on your podcast. And so that's what I'm doing today. I'm recording this podcast essentially to talk about why I decided to host a live retreat in Mexico City to kick off the next round of reclamation, why Mexico City and the deeper meaning like behind that and also a little bit about like what I've you know, what I plan to have happen there in terms of like the folks who join. I just wanted to share this because the story in itself really demonstrates like the meaning of reclamation. So to me, and the why I called the mastermind reclamation is because as women of color and as first gen, so much of us reaching our highest purpose is reclaiming things that we gave away or that were taken away through colonization, systemic oppression, (laughs) racism, and all of these different forms of oppression, right? And so to me, reclamation is to take back what was always yours. And for me, that means, you know, taking your voice back, taking your power back, taking your identity back, and not feeling like you have to put it in a box, your emotions, reclaiming your emotions and not seeing them as something to hide from or seeing them as good or bad, taking back your ability to make decisions and create your own money and to reclaim things that our parents and grandparents like didn't have because they had to survive and things that we don't really sit with or have the luxury of sitting with, I would say, or the the awareness to sit with until we feel safe, right? So to me, reclamation means once you climb up the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which if you don't aren't familiar with the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it is a pyramid. And at the bottom of the pyramid is safety. Then it's like community and belonging. And then you go up and it's like connection. And like at the top, it's like self-actualization. And self-actualization is purpose. And this is often where we think like, what's the legacy we're going to leave behind? How do I want to be remembered? How do I want to help other people? What is like my, what is the thing that I feel the most drawn to do? But on our journey up this Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which we're able to do because we come from generations that, you know, established safety, like they worked hard, they sacrificed, they did what they had to do in order for us to feel, to to have the opportunity to sit on a foundation of safety instead of survival, that now we ask ourselves different questions. But on that journey, we are taking 
things back. We are taking back, like I said, our power, our voices, our autonomy, our identity, all of these things that maybe weren't safe for us to exercise or have. And this Mexico City retreat is a, you'll you'll see in the episode today, like why it is the ultimate (laughs) reclamation. So firstly, the reason that this is so meaningful to me is because my whole life, I, so I'm Mexican, I'm Mexican American. I'm the eldest daughter of immigrants. My parents immigrated from Mexico in the early 70s. They were, I think, like 13 or 14 or something. Um, they immigrated separately, but they met in San Francisco, at, you know, as 18 year olds, whatever, 18 and 21, met and got married. They immigrated in the early 70s and they never went back. And that's a little unusual, I think, for the folks I know, for parents to have not gone back to their home country. And I think when I was younger, I never really thought much of it because we didn't really have a lot of money. And so we never really got on airplanes at all. Like when I was younger, like the most that we would do is we would have summer vacation and we would go to Lake Great America, which is a theme park here in the Bay Area, or we would go to Waterworld or Raging Waters, which is like a water park. And it would be like places we can drive. We went to Disneyland like once or twice, but we drove there. And I just thought like, oh yeah, and like we just don't go to Mexico because we don't have money. And I and I grew up as the eldest. So like I grew up hearing my family's immigration story. So like I would hear my dad always talk about how when he was like five, five and six, he would wake up really, really early. They had a ranch in Mexico, El Rancho, and they were really poor. He was one of 16 children, 11 of which survived because this is what happens when mothers give birth in ranches in Mexico, they don't have like medical care. And so many of the children don't make it, but he was one of, you know, 11 essentially. And he would wake up early, milk the cows, put them in a, in a barril, like a barrel, get it on his bicycle. Him and his brothers would like all mount one bicycle. They would go into town, sell the milk, come back home. He'd get ready for school. He'd go to school. He'd come back, milk the cows, sell the milk again. And this is how he helped his make his family make money. And I never forgot this story of him being five years old because it just, it's like I heard it. But I think because I had never been to Mexico, I, I, I heard the stories, but I didn't really fully understand what that meant. Growing up hearing these stories and also stories of my my grandfather, my abuelitos both working in the fields, both of them, like my mom's dad and my dad's dad working, picking strawberries and working in dairy farms and all of that. And I told, I talked about this on the first episode of the podcast and how they made 50 cents an hour working seven days a week and all of that. So I was so connected with like struggle. Like they came from so much struggle. My, you know, my dad being like, I never had a toy. <laughs> I never had like you know, we just didn't have enough. They didn't have electricity. My dad said they literally didn't have running water or electricity. They would get water from like a well and they, you know, did, as a result, it's like they just didn't have enough. And so they just survived. Like they literally, it's like a miracle that my my dad is around, you know, and that kids in Mexico who grew up like that, like they just didn't have somebody to like watch them <laughs> and take care of them. Like they had to be adults at a really young age. And so the stories that I always had of Mexico were very much of like, wow, I came from so much struggle and I'm so grateful to be here. And I just was so grateful for like everything that I had. But then I also felt like, well, and now I need to make their sacrifices worth it, right? So this was my relationship with Mexico was just hearing my parents' stories. So then when I became an adult, I had this curiosity of like, I wanted to go to Mexico and I had like never gone before. And I just remember my dad being like, I don't know. He's just like, I, he just didn't have an interest in going back. And so like I had gone a few times, but I think because like I didn't know people there, like I had some theas, but I just felt weird being like, I'm just going to go and show up. I always felt like I either go with like my family or something. And so like, I just never went other than like 
stuff that I think doesn't count. Like I went to Cancun once with my ex, but it was like an all-inclusive, so it doesn't really count. (laughs) And then I went to Cabo once with one of my best friends, but it was like her mom's friend's house on the beach. Again, very like bougie, very not Mexico, right? And so I went a couple of times and I felt like longing for more, I guess. And so eventually I, I just like years passed, right? And then I start doing this work that I do as a coach for first gen, which I tell this whole story of how I got here in the first episode of the podcast. So I won't repeat it here. But I think going through my healing process, like after my divorce and everything, I just started to realize like how many of my patterns were connected to survival and, you know, just survival mode of being, you know, growing up with parents in survival mode and and now, you know, asking myself different questions and getting to know myself and the things that like I used to think were not safe, starting to like redefine those things, like using my voice more and taking risks and failure and being seen and receiving praise and all of these things that was like before our families were safe by like blending in and not standing out and working the hardest, being the hardest worker in the room. And like, we're basically unlearning and deconditioning so many different things that I realized how much of my current trauma and my current way of being was actually connected to inherited patterns of behavior from my parents that had to be in survival mode and grandparents that had to be in survival mode. So I think my fascination with that kept calling me home. Like I kept feeling like something was missing. And then I started coaching and I started talking to more and more people and realizing like what we're doing is we're feeling safe to be ourselves. We're actually feeling, we're we're teaching our bodies what it means to be in safety now because we're creating businesses and it's challenging basically everything about us. When you create a business, it activates every trigger. Like it activates so many red flags within us that of things that don't feel safe. Like we basically have to reclaim ourselves in order to grow our businesses. We have to undergo many, many acts of reclamation in order to grow businesses as women of color and first gen. And so this is why the word reclamation just popped into my head. It like came to me and I was like, this is what we're doing. We are reclaiming ourselves in the process of growing our businesses. Like we are becoming our highest idealized, actualized selves. We are giving back to our people. We are helping to break patterns. We are learning something and then giving it back. Like this is a beautiful thing. And why I love working with women of color and first gen is we always want to give it back to our people. Almost every single one of my clients serves women of color and or like first gen. Why? Because there's this deep desire to almost course correct. There's this deep desire to like break patterns and give it back. Like it's such a beautiful thing, right? So I think in being immersed in this work, I years in was like, I don't, I just, I just need to be there. I just need to be back. I need to see what it's like to be in Mexico. I feel like I need to be in Mexico. And I started to feel a bigger and bigger pull. Like I started to feel like things that I was struggling with were bigger than me. It started to feel like my like my ancestors were talking to me. And I, I'm sure many of you listening have have maybe felt like, why does this feel so big? Why does this feel so heavy? This is this even my memory? Is this my feeling or is this something I inherited? So what happened was I it's hard to explain, but I, I really think it's just in the process of growing a business, we develop a relationship with our higher self and we develop a relationship with our higher guidance, which I believe our ancestors guide us as well through feelings, through synchronicities, through different things. So I remember it was, it was, I think it was 20, the end of 2020. And I remember living in Oregon at the time. And I was a, a little under a year into coaching at the time. And I remember I was working with a life coach 
And I felt this constant sense of like, I can't, like, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. Even though my business was doing well, even though I looked and I was like, okay, like I'm booking clients. Like, I I don't know why I'm constantly, like my body couldn't stop (laughs) moving or like it couldn't stop spinning and thinking, which I now realize is a survival mode. It was that I was finally breathing for the first time and I was slowing down for the first time and my body didn't feel safe to slow down. And I just kept thinking, I don't feel safe to slow down. I don't feel safe to rest. And I was like, why does this feel so big? So at that point, my life coach connected me to a shaman that she had worked with. And the shaman is someone who can connect you with your ancestors and your higher guidance. And I met with the shaman and the shaman told me a little bit about my ancestry and the fact that I came from a lineage of priestesses and priestesses are healers and they are connected to the earth. And they lived on one side of a river. This was seven seven generations, I think, before my grandmother. We lived on one side of the river and the men lived on the other side of the river and that we were just these wise medicine women. And that through colonization, we lost our power and our, you know, we were, we just lost connection with ourselves, but that I was always a healer. And this is why I always felt connected to the water. And so, so much of like, I started on this journey of like my connection to my ancestry in Mexico. So fast forward, I joined a mastermind in 2021 and I met my friends, Liz and Erica. And I remember Liz at the time was when we first started in this mastermind, she was in Mexico city. So she went to Mexico city to attend our virtual live event to kick off this mastermind. So funny. I literally just realized in recording this, that what started it all was a virtual live event for a mastermind, my very first mastermind that I was in. Wow, guys, I just realized this. So my friend Liz was in Mexico City. She went to Mexico City to just, it's like, it was a live event is a big deal in a mastermind. Like you spend two whole days meeting other people, learning the curriculum, imaging, dreaming about your business, planning for your business. So some people like rented hotel rooms, you know, and made it this whole event. You know, Liz went to Mexico City. I was at home because I have a child and I couldn't really travel. And she was there for like Mexican Independence Day, which happens in September, because that's when this mastermind kicked off. And I just remember at the time, <laughs> like Liz and I were new friends, but I, I I always felt comfortable in like our friendship where I literally invited myself on a trip that didn't exist yet. I was like, Liz, will you tell me the next time you go to Mexico City? Because I want to go with you. And she's like, yes, love, absolutely. You know, and so we planned this trip and then our friend Erica, we we all just like planned this trip of like, well, when can we go? So my first time really going to being in Mexico where it felt like I was in Mexico was February, 2022. So we went on this trip together. No one could have really prepared me. There was like the sense of grief of like, this feels like home in a way that I can't describe. And it still kind of makes me emotional because I remember going there and my heart like welling up almost like it was going to explode. And I remember being like, it's my people everywhere. It's words in Spanish everywhere. This is so beautiful. Everyone is so hospitable and warm. And then I remember the first time I saw a huge Mexican flag in a place called El Zócalo. It's this big patio. Not patio, it's like a big plaza. And I saw this giant Mexican flag in the middle of the plaza. And I was like choked up. And when you think about it, unless you've been to your home country, when would you ever see a gigantic flag from your home country? You grew up in America, you see giant American flags everywhere, right? 
I had never seen it. And it just choked me up where I was like, I've truly never been home. Like I've never known what it's like to see myself represented everywhere, not just in a district. And I remember going to like a castle that's there in Mexico City. And there were murals of the revolution of like, you know, when we were colonized by Spain and you see the warships. And it just reminded me like, this is my history. Like I come from colonized people. And to see the art and to see like what happened to us and where we lost ourselves, like literally when we talk about reclamation, like our identities were stripped from us from like our culture being stripped from us and all of these things through colonization. So for me at that point, I was like, this is healing for me, like just to return home to a home I've never known, but still felt like so familiar. And so I started going back regularly since then. And I've been back three times. And each time I feel like I leave parts of me that like were never me and I come back more like me. It feels very healing. And all of this time, I've wanted to my parents to go back with me. I've wanted them to go back because a part of me is sad to think that like they are in their 60s now and like to think that they would never return back in their lives and that that would be their only memory is like painful ones. It just didn't sit right with me and they just they just never wanted to go. And I remember at the end of my first trip of going to Mexico City, coming back and talking to my dad about it. And I was like, dad, I feel like I understand the stories you would tell me now because about you selling the milk and being responsible for making money because I was at this cafe. And I remember being at this cafe and I saw this little girl, like I was talking to my friend Liz, we were you know, on this trip. And out the corner of my eye, I look over Liz's shoulder and I see a little girl waiting for cars to pass in this huge intersection to cross the street. And my heart dropped because I was like, she looks like Adriana's age, like my daughter. And then I, I, Liz is talking, but I'm like looking at this girl being like, is she going to be able to cross safely? Is she okay? She crosses the street and she comes over to our table and she has flowers. And she asks if we want to buy the flowers and they're 50 pesos or 50 pesos. And I had a hundred, I had a hundred. And I was like, I told her in Spanish, I was like, oh, here, I'll just, I have a hundred. I'll just give it to you, but I don't need the flowers. Just go sell them to someone. And she's like, oh no, you can just take both. And so I give her the money. And then I see her walk back to her mom and she crosses that big intersection again. She crosses the intersection. It's so dangerous. I just think like I would never, you know, I'd be so scared to let my daughter cross an intersection like that. And she goes back to her mom and then I see her mom and her mom is sitting on the corner with a cardboard box, like this open cardboard box that has candies in it and a little brother that her her mom is sitting on the on the sidewalk selling these, these dulces. And you'll see that, you know, like moms with their babies and they're just selling things on the street. And like, I just started crying because (laughs) here's me crying on every episode. I just thought about like, this little girl is responsible for making money for her family, you know, and this is like what my dad used to do. And it just made me realize like, wow, I, we have come so far in one generation. Like my daughter just gets to have a childhood and have all these toys and all this stuff. And you know, she freaking asks me, can we go to a hotel for the weekend? Cause she wants to swim in the pool. Like this is this child's reality. Right. And then I think about my reality growing up was I had everything I needed, but we couldn't go on vacations. We didn't have money, but that wasn't like normal to me. You know, I never felt like we didn't have enough. And then I think about my dad and I'm like, he never got to have a childhood. He had to think about, he had, he was this little girl. I was like, this little girl is my dad. But I think it hit me so hard because she, I asked her how old she was. And she said she was six. And at the time, my daughter was five. And she's like, seis años. And she said it very like matter of fact. 
And then she just skips past, you know, skips away and goes to give her mom the money. And I'm like, so something in me changed on that trip where I was like, I need to know where I came from. You know, like I, I, I need to just go back, be in my homeland and like just sit in deep appreciation for how far we can come and just deep appreciation for my parents' sacrifices, which I obviously always had, but I think it's different to see it yourself. And I was like, it can't stop with me. Like I need to do what I can to help other women like me to be able to create more options so that our baseline is going to be so wildly different. Our children's baseline is going to be so wildly different, but not just because of money, but because we feel safe to rest, because we feel peaceful, because we know ourselves, because we love ourselves more deeply, like all these things, right? So I, I, you know, I remember coming back and telling my dad about this trip and telling him the story of the little girl. And he's like, yeah. Like he kind of said it like matter of fact, he's like, yeah, I know. That's what I, that's what I've been telling you this whole time about like my childhood in Mexico. And I think I understood in that moment that it's like, it wasn't like my dad who is 67. It wasn't 67 year old, like Rick who didn't want to go back to Mexico. It was like probably five-year-old Rick who didn't want to go back to Mexico. And that just makes me sad to think it was my parents as children who have memories of Mexico. And So it's just been this mission of mine to be like, I would love to see my parents witness Mexico City. So I was like, but even if they don't want to come with me, I know that I need to keep going back there because Mexico City was so healing. So when I'm planning this third launch of Reclamation, I've been thinking for a long time, like, I really want to get everybody together because I've seen how transformative the space is when people get to know each other at the beginning they tell their stories, they get, they feel safe being vulnerable. We've intentionally created the container in this way that people really share their stories and who they are and the different sides of themselves and what they need support with from the community, what they can offer the community and really feeling safe and seen, right? And so I was like, imagine now that I've extended the program to 12 months, I was like, imagine if everybody got together. There's no way, there's no way we can't get together in person. That's all I knew. I was like, there's no way we can't get together in person. And so I thought about different ways of making this happen. And I was like, should it be in the Bay Area? I was like, I don't know. And I was like, none of this felt like me. And I'm very much like a, I only have hell yeses in me. Or it's like a, uh, I don't know. And all of them felt like, uh, I'm not sure. And then when I thought about like, what if I just have the retreat in Mexico City? Because I know how I feel when I am there. I know how expansive I feel and how grounded I feel. And what better place to host a mastermind for reclamation than a place like reclaiming my homeland, going there and celebrating my success and planning the success of other women of color and how they're going to make money and how they're going to create more peace in, in Mexico City in a place that's so meaningful to me. And so I was like, you know, this feels terrifying to me to book this venue and do it. But I know once I book the venue, it's going to happen. And when I found the venue, I was like, this is it. There's a rooftop. It has three levels. It's stunning. It's beautiful. It's in La Condesa. It's surrounded by trees. I feel very peaceful just looking at it. And also my friend Liz now lives in Mexico City because she, on that trip that I talked about at the beginning of the episode, she met her partner. They're now engaged and they live there. And I was like, this is just a second home. I was like, I just want to bring everybody there to a place that feels like my second home. And if it was as healing and expansive for me, it's going to be healing and expansive for my clients. So I just decided to book it. I remember I was booking it and then telling my family recently, a few weeks ago, it was my dad's birthday that I had done this, that I said, you know, I'm going to go back to Mexico City in February for this this retreat that I'm I'm hosting for my masterminders. And my youngest sister was there and my youngest sister had just come back from Mexico City. That was her first time as well. So I feel like it started this ripple effect. And she's like, oh my gosh, you're going back. Like, I've just been looking for a reason to go back. Like we swore we were going to like move there. We loved it so much. And then my mom pauses and she's like, I want to go. 
And I never in my life like heard them say they want to go. And I feel like in that moment, I was like, oh my God, like it's finally happened. I've been trying to get them to go back. And I think something about me talking about it as a place of home, like celebration, uh, how excited I was to host all of my clients, the, you know, what it was going to be like, the things where I was going to teach them and all of these things that like she finally felt safe to be like, I want to go. And then my dad was kind of quiet and we're like, okay, yeah. And so as a family, we were like, okay, so let's make this happen. So you guys fly in. As soon as my retreat is done, you're going to fly in that day. And they're like, okay, yeah, you guys go ahead and book it. And of course, you know, eldest daughter goes and books the trip. So I booked the trip. I booked their flights. I booked our Airbnb. They're flying in the day after the live event. And now it feels like this whole trip is just like my family healing. Like I am coming back to my homeland hosting an event that means so much to me that like years ago, this would have seemed insane. When I think about the first time I was there was February, 2022. And in February, 2024, I'm going to host my own mastermind. Like I'm not going to someone's mastermind. I am the coach. This is my mastermind. This is what I've poured my heart and soul into. It's going to be the most incredible, you know, women of color who are leaders in their industry, who care so deeply about the people that they care about. Like we are changing our lives at this event in Mexico City. And then I get to watch my parents re-experience Mexico for the first time in 50 years since they immigrated, over 50 years. I just feel so grateful. And to me, this is the meaning of reclamation. I'm reclaiming my homeland. My parents are reclaiming their relationship with it. I am spending my business revenue in Mexico at a Mexican-owned venue. I already know who the photographer is going to be. He's someone I worked with before. His name is Carlos. We're going to, you know, I'm thinking I would want to bring in some chefs, you know, private chefs and all of this. And I was like, we're just going to give back, (laughs) time to give back to my country. And we're going to all celebrate and have the most incredible time. And then I get to see my clients off and thank them and know that the the incredible things that I've set them up to do, and they're going to bond and they're going to probably cry and they're going to build these connections that I hope will last a lifetime because that's the spaces that I create. That's literally like my goal. I'm like, no, the most important thing is the community that you create. It's my responsibility to create a community where people feel safe and seen, where people connect with one another, where the the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, where all of the people in there are of such benefit to one another because they are there for another. Like that to me is like, we are such community people. If you think about people of color and first gen, we are so much community people, right? So we thrive in community. So I'm going to come there and it's going to be this such an expansive thing. And then my parents fly in. They're going to bring my daughter. Both of my sisters are coming. My brother-in-law's coming. And we're going to spend the next like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, six days in Mexico City. And I cannot wait to see Mexico through my parents' eyes. Like I already know my dad is the type of person who like if it's a Latino person or it's someone in the in the service industry, he tips big. It makes him feel good. He's such a kind person that I'm like, I just can't wait to go to watch my dad experience Mexico, reminisce about how shocked, how different it is. Cause they, I don't think they have any idea what to expect. Right. And for him to just like tip people big and he's going to feel like so good, you know, to come back and be like, wow, look at how far I've come. You know, now I can come and feel very wildly generous with my own people, you know? And to just be there with my family, it's the first time we've ever gone on an airplane together. Like we've never gone on on a trip together like that, where we all got on on one airplane. The closest um, was when we went to visit my sister in DC earlier this year, but that was everybody except my sister because we went to go visit 
um, went to go visit her. So it's just, it's going to be the very first time and it's going to be so meaningful. And I just wanted to share this story because it's such a story of reclamation, of redefining your relationship with your homeland, of me even having this event in the first place because I've reclaimed myself and my identity and my voice and my power and in in becoming a coach for for women of color and first gen and to have it be such a trip of like celebration. And I wanted you all to know that <laughs> because so when you see me get emotional about this trip, in planning for this trip, you'll know why and like why my heart is so much into this. And this is so much bigger for me than like some business or some income goal or, or any of that. Like this work is so important to me that like I will never not care about it. I will never not think about it. Like this is my life's work. And now I get to kick off 12 months together with my next cohort of reclamation in a city that means so much to me. And I just know it's going to be just as expansive for everyone who goes. I can't wait to pour into them. I can't wait to help them like envision their dreams and how they're going to get to six figures or multiple six figures if they're already at six figures. And, you know, having sessions, not just on business and strategy and marketing. If you know me, like that's, that's not all you, it's never just about business to have sessions on somatic sessions, talking about our inner critics, talking about the healing that's involved in like growing our businesses peacefully. I'm going to have, you know, guest experts there. And I just can't wait to share more with you all about that. So that is it. That is the story. As you follow along with me planning this, just know that this is so much deeper to me than just a mastermind retreat, like everything about this was with my people in mind and thinking about what is the best possible way that I could set them up with connections with one another and connections with themselves to be able to, you know, grow their businesses. And also for me to feel like I'm creating this full circle moment of my my family finally feeling safe to my parents, you know, returning back to their homeland and feeling like we're collectively kind of healing as a family as a result. I hope <laughs> that this episode, you know, if if any part of this like spoke to you or you've, you know, had stories like this, I would love to hear about it. Just know I'm excited to welcome this next round of reclamation. We open doors on Wednesday, November 29th. We kick off the next round, like, you know, in Mexico City. And for anyone who isn't able to to make it live, I still want you to join. We are going to have a virtual option. We're going to still make sure that everybody gets seen, that everybody integrates, that people get to know one another, whether you can make it or not. But I hope that you all can make it because it's going to be it's going to be so, so, so good. So, yes, that is it. And I will see you in the next episode.